listening to the Darius Daniels Podcast. Well, what's up, everybody, and welcome to the Darius Daniels Podcast. I'm Darius Daniels. I want to thank you for tuning in today. We got an incredible show planned for you, and I don't know how your week is going, but I hope this podcast makes your week and even your day better. This podcast is all about conversations for your transformation, and uh, we got a few for you today. We got some great discussion on some issues taking place in culture, and I've got an incredible interview with the one and only Pastor Carl Lentz, lead pastor of Hillsong, New York City. We talk about a lot of things, one of which is breaking bad religion. Ooh, I can't wait to talk about that. And as always, we've got the Ask Dr. Darius segment of the show coming up. And I'm excited about all that's going to happen on today's podcast. Stay tuned for episode two, season two of the Darius Daniels podcast. Well, what's up, everybody? I'm excited for an incredible show today. I've got my co-host with me, Chastity and Dakari. What's up, y'all? How y'all doing? What's up? I'm what's doing happening? great. That was an underwhelming yeah, what's up, wasn't like, it? What's up? What's up? What's going on? Because I was about to say something, but I said, let me stay focused. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. We're yep. starting early today. Dakari, what's up, brother? How are you? I'm good. Everything's good. I'm excited. You know, it's a beautiful day today. Yeah. Yeah. You just, every time I see you, just got this huge smile on your face. Is it the engagement or what? What's up with that? You know what? I'd be lying if I said, yeah, it's the engagement. It is. Oh, <laughs> so sweet. Yeah, man. He literally looks smitten, everyone. Yeah. Smitten. <laughs> smitten. Yeah, I'm over here just cuddled all up. You yeah, know I see. He's excited. I mean, it's a good, it's a beautiful thing, you know? It is. Love is beautiful. That's it what's is. Up. And we're really excited for you and happy for you. When is the wedding? We hadn't decided on a date yet. You okay. Know, um, yeah. We want to let this, you know, this COVID play out. It's a lot of people. I know they had to push all their dates back. I'm mm-hmm. like, I don't want to play that game. Yeah. That's probably yeah. wise. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Booking venues and things of that particular yeah. nature. Mm-hmm. So listen, are you, are you going to be the kind of uh, fiance? Are you like going to let her plan everything and you just stay out of it? Or are you jumping in the planning and everything? You see, I'm, I'm a natural planner, so I'm going to be heavily involved. Really? Yeah. I'm also of a planner. I do events and stuff too. So like I'm more connected and she's kind of like, yeah, I, I know what I like, but I'm more like, now nah, we got to make sure it look like this, like this, feel like this, you know. Uh, wow. So are you guys going to like choose colors together or? Well, I'm going to pretty much let her do that, that part. Um, uh, you know, I'm a standard black and white type of guy. So, really? yeah. well, you have on peach today. That's, oh wow, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's what we're doing. Okay, yeah. yeah just say, is that peach? Yeah, hey, it's just hey. It's hey. It's, your shoes are salmon, like a salmon yeah. color. Oh, okay, that's what we're doing today. You okay. look nice though. Yeah. It does. It looks salad. nice. I just said. I didn't say it looked nice. I just and said I, it is. It's cool. It's Every, everybody will have a turn today. <laughs> <laughs> How are you? You didn't tell us how you doing. Right. I think I'm, I'm doing pretty good. You know, I think I'm still a little irritated, though. I'm irritated from the debate a week ago. Yeah. Oh, the yeah. vice president and uh, yeah, the vice presidential debate. That was just a little irritating for me. And I think I'm still irritated about it. Why still are you irritated? irritated? <laughs> why, why, though? What's so wrong? a couple of things. This is what I feel. I feel like adults should be required at a debate to answer the question. So I didn't watch the first debate. I watched the highlights of President Trump and Vice President Biden. That was like an East Coast, West Coast beef. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Absolutely. That was a political version of yeah. Biggie and Tupac. I, I don't know which one was which. <laughs> Someone's like, who is Murder, Inc. and yeah. G-Unit? Just don't worry it. about yeah. it. Just I don't Google even it. want you to Google yeah. it. No. Don't worry about it. But yeah, so I didn't. I watched kind of highlights of that one. But I, I watched the vice presidential debate and I was like, man, I... I, it just should be a rule. You have to answer the question that's asked. So I just found that a little bit irritating. And uh, but you know, I guess I, I'll get over it. It is what it is. It is what it but is. But we do know the most important part of that debate. What was the most important? What 
Her hair looks really good. No, I'm Tom, talking about oh. that famous fly that ended up on somebody else's hair. <laughs> uh, Twitter is calling him Fly Sean. Oh, that's his name. That's Fly Sean. <laughs> Yo, I was looking. At, how did they make Twitter accounts that fast? Hey, oh, I love, it. like, I love the internet. I love the internet. Yeah. yeah, you gotta love it. People hop on it very fast, man. People are creative. Like they are literally tweeting as the fly, as yeah, we speak. Like the fly just talking, just mm-hmm. like yeah. Yeah, I decided it's to hilarious. go over there. And <laughs> he didn't feel it. And last time I checked, I'm not sure where the numbers were, but I know uh, the first night that it happened, a couple oh, well last week, um, he had like ten thousand followers. The fly, the fly had ten thousand followers. Yeah, more followers than me <laughs> <laughs> on Twitter. Dakar, yeah. you don't need that many. You're gonna get canceled. Yeah, you, whatever you. Yeah. Yeah, I, I want you to build them up because I'm gonna lose them just as bad. <laughs> hey, listen, they, listen though. The audience said not to cancel Dakari. Yeah. They said so. Listen, they in your corner. I'm with it. They're yes. rooting for hey, you, all bro. virtual school. They should try it and see how they would feel about it. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I don't. I don't know if that was the only thing they wanted to cancel you about. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah here's the thing. Here's my question. This is so random though. So would you have said something? If you were Kamala Harris, uh, Senator Harris, I, I want to get all the titles right, about the fly. Yeah, I would have kind of led in with something based on one of the questions. And, and considering that this flies on your head, you can't even feel that. How, how can you feel the American people, right? I would have said something like, yeah, you can't feel that. You can't feel American people. You know, like, It would have been, you know, yeah, I would have had a couple of punchlines. Yeah, you yeah. would have lost real bad. Well, a lot of the media uh, sites, they mentioned the fly. Like yeah. I know um, CNN did and then there were some other people and they were really talking about the fly. Like that was the highlight of the night. I would have yeah. said something. I would have I I I said it like you did. <laughs> I would have just been like, yeah, I don't want anybody. If I had a fly on my head, I would want someone to say yeah, something. I, I, I would too. Yeah, it's bad. That's yeah, funny. It was, but there, there's another thing though that I didn't mention this that irritated me about it. What? And it was just some of the, one of the things that I think he may not be completely clear on what systematic racism is. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when he just basically kind of denied its existence. Mm. Yeah. And for me, I feel like you can't address a problem we keep ignoring. Like mm-hmm. you can't fix something you deny. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, uh, you know, to acknowledge the, the imperfections of a country isn't to insult it. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, like if <laughs> like we don't that we don't we don't do it that way in marriage or any kind of relationship. You know, when something it needs to be addressed we expose it we identify it we address it so i just feel like that piece i don't know if he has a different understanding of systematic inequality or structural racism but <laughs> here are the facts like it's not it's not debatable yeah. because here's <laughs> here are the facts right all right civil rights act which outlawed discrimination wasn't until 1964 transit uh what, what transit slave trade you've got Africans coming here in this country 1619. So from 1619 to 1964, it was legal discrimination yeah. in the country. Right. <laughs> right. So governmentally, financially, with financial institutions, educationally, which is why HBCUs exist, because that was the only way African Americans could, could get educated in college. Yeah. Right. Uh, get college educated. So you've got 1619 to 1964, that's like 300 some years. You got 1964 to now maybe like 50 something years like when you kind of do the math you can say like so systematic uh, racism and inequality has existed six times longer Mm. than the civil rights act so it's it's just kind of a fact you Mm -hmm. know what I mean Mm -hmm. and so that piece right there because I know there are people who hear this and uh, somebody might tweet me (laughs) when they hear this and just disagree but there are people who really are in the middle and who want to know does it really exist and they want to understand what it is. So when stuff like that comes out, you know, I want I will want a governmental leader if he's going to speak on something like that to be a little more um, informed about yeah. actually what the word means. I th- maybe he thought it meant something that it doesn't mean. So that part kind of bothered me a little bit. I guess y'all can tell um, yeah, I'm still I, upset. Yeah, and I'm yeah. curious. I wonder, do you think that many of our politicians, they stay uh, in the in the confines of their political party in terms of answering questions versus like being honest and saying you know what maybe there is a problem i mean is it more so like i'm just gonna whatever they put on paper when i you know did my staging for the debate 
I need to stick with this. I know I noticed they were out writing on writing. Uh, I don't yeah. know if they actually <laughs> writing. Right. I did. I did yeah. see that. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, what well, are y'all really writing, or are you just saying, you know, you're just doing this? Like, I'm just curious if they do they have their own opinions. Do they have the, yeah, the I don't freedom? Know. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I. I Sometimes even with Senator Harris, I'm like, okay, I really want to hear what you think about this right. and not just mm-hmm. another Democrat at talking point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I want to know that you think, and I want to know if what you think, even if it means you're deviating from Joe Biden. Please mm-hmm. deviate, yeah, right? <laughs> I, think a, I think it's a couple Please. of things. Um, I think it's a couple of things because they actually have people who write their speeches for them, work with them to do like that media prompting and stuff. And so like from that PR side, they don't want to deviate and say the wrong thing. And then they have to deal with the backlash of that. And then it has to be a PR cleanup. So, yeah, so it's, it's, it's politics, but then it's also like, I can't touch this subject. And if I do, this is how I'm supposed to answer it. Yeah. So Dakar, you hear that? We just got that. That's the marketing and the PR side right there coming out of yeah, so pretty much they can't have an opinion <laughs> yeah. yeah pretty mm-hmm. much you know mm-hmm. it's like, yeah, it's but we have to talk about it and this is what yeah. you have to say about your opinion like that's good but say it like this yeah I just think our information needs to be accurate though you yeah. know what I mean like, oh, yeah, like some absolutely. things are debatable some things are gray but like when you talk about like something like systematic racism, <laughs> racism. it's kind of mm-hmm. it's kind of like history and yeah, it doesn't it that mean that things haven't got better that mean that this is an amazing country it does mean that that exists bro and you know right. it, yeah. it, it still does but anyway hey i'm hanging out with y'all today it's all good it's all good jesus is king <laughs> <laughs> In the words of Kendrick Lamar, we gonna be all right. Yes, yeah. Well, you know, listen. I I think, I think this interview that I've got coming up is a great, 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 great interview as it relates to, you know, even just kind of politics. Carl and I diving it a little bit. We have some dope conversation. Just not just about bad politics because we do talk about that a little bit about Black Lives Matter and, but we also talk about bad religion. And this is what I believe, man. I believe that bad religion has worse psychological effects on people than no religion. Mm. It's really bad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But Carl and I, we talk about that. And uh, everybody, I think you're going to be encouraged and informed, hopefully not too upset, <laughs> this next interview between myself and Carl Lentz. It's coming up next on the Dearest Daniels Podcast. do you introduce a man who needs no introduction author spiritual leader of hillsong east coast this is my brother from another mother now we're not in a room together everybody's quarantining but make some noise for call lens everybody call welcome to the podcast bro no i love i love you i love your family i you're such a blessing to our church um i've known you for a long time we've known of each other i think sure. you know just crossing paths for a long time but i remember the first time i heard you preach was in virginia beach virginia wow. um way back in the day and i didn't know you at that time at all i just remember seeing you preach and going thank god thank god just i just feel like i could be friends with this man and he's amazing and he's not speaking another language and <laughs> i was just blown away and then to watch your you know god expand your platform has just been uh amazing and yeah we're just blessed and i've had you preach at our church now already twice this year and um you know our church loves you dearly so um shout out to you and your amazing wife who is my hip-hop um counterpart i, I enjoy just talking music and life with her um and your family's just awesome so oh, man, your boy listen. is a is a baller Living, yes. you know killing west point even though it's a quarantine so i remember seeing you with a photo of you and your son i'm like i don't know who's in better shape <laughs> the boy about to go play football or the dad who's sending them off so anyway love man, it. i love you bro and listen i'm just excited about our conversation i love you the squad the fam jt's family and uh i'm, I'm yeah. really really excited about our time together so all right so listen i want to kind of start off with something just a little little light here um I know everybody's kind of quarantining, so we've been watching some TV, listening to some music. Now, I know you're a 90s music dude. Right? Am I? So I'm about, to, I'm about to put you on the spot right now. Okay. Greatest R&B group of the 90s. 
Who you got? Well, I got a caveat, okay? Because I'm going to go with John B. Because he was the only white boy who was trying to get it done in the area. Who did you think you were going to ask right now, Darius? Uh, I mean, I could go, obviously, Jodeci. I could go, Drew. I love Drew Hill. Um, But if you're going to ask me who the favorite is, it's the same thing. If you ask me who my favorite NBA player is, I'm going to find the one white boy getting it done. So it's not a fair question. John B. It was his song with Tupac. Ask people to date. I mean, he he was my favorite at the time. But if I had a gun to my head, Jodeci. Jodeci, I'm I'm with you on that. I've, I gotta I gotta go with Jodeci. J G J, uh, KC Jojo. Um, uh, Boys to Men. Can we even count them? They kind of transcend. I think R and B a little bit. I, obviously, Boys to Men is near and dear to my heart. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know if they kind of cross. I know Boys to Men, I felt like they had a more of a, a genre crossover appeal. But Joe, this is definitely R&B soulish. I don't know if they're pop-ish. Uh, almost gospel-ish. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> almost gospel-ish. It's, it's, yes. it's, it's dope. All right, one more I got for you. I'm really, I'm really going to get you in trouble now. Because I know okay. you got relationships with people um, across the board, all teams. Right now, as we're recording this podcast, uh, NBA is in the playoff bubble, mm-hmm. and um, I'm just asking you from your from your basketball opinion, which team is coming out on top, in 2020? You know, I'm always right now with with KD not playing. I, you got to tell me why I shouldn't bet my house on LeBron James. Okay, I, I would take my chances. I think the Lakers are tough, and I think the Lakers are going to end up climbing out of this freaking bubble with a title that's my gotcha. that's my that's my that's my leaning man I, I i hope so but the clippers are scary i don't i don't know the clippers are they scary. are scary but they are scary but you got to show me something i don't i don't know i don't i mean <laughs> toronto last year they they blew that mindset out of the water because I, I didn't think they would come yeah, out of there true. and do that but if it's there's true. anybody that can knock them off you know hey and, and, the, and the bucks are tough kyle corver is my guy love him dearly yeah um I don't know. I don't know if Giannis has got to hit like six or seven threes four times in a season for me to really believe they're going to get it done. But I don't know. That's yeah, I'm going Lakers. West, definitely. Yeah. Yes, sir. I hope you're right. I hope you're right. I'm rooting for him. I'm rooting for him. Love LeBron. Well, listen, yes, man, I want to pivot a little bit. So this, I decided to kind of theme this podcast, well, this season of the podcast, and really just kind of frame our conversations around this idea, this this concept of liberation, this theme based on a show. I think is an iconic show. It's got mixed reviews called Breaking Bad. So that was that was my show back in the day. I used to watch it back when people watched DVDs. Uh, yes. <laughs> who who would dispute that Breaking Bad is like top three? Man, I was just having a conversation with some people who would just uh, give it. I got mixed reviews on it. Some people felt like it was slow. Some people felt like it was inconsistent. Some seasons are better than others. I think that's kind of normal when you got a long running show like that. I, I totally agree. I, I think that it's indisputably top top three, top four. Yep. So I kind of wanted to frame conversations or. or, or around this idea of breaking bad. And one of the things that I felt like you model, you've modeled and you modeled is um, breaking free of bad boxes. And what I mean by that is when you look at specific roles in society, whether it's CEO, whether it's athletes, um, there is this cultural expectation that you're going to do this role a certain way. And when you break out of that box, you're breaking a rule like so if you're an athlete and you speak into social issues like shut up and dribble. If you are a pastor and you've got interest Ooh. in other areas, whether it's art, whether it's fashion, whether it's fitness, it's like, what are you doing? Just preach the gospel. Yeah. Uh, but one of the to me, this is one of the highest compliments it was, to me. It was a compliment regarding your ministry, your willingness to break out of the box. It was when so I, I, people are so sensitive. So I leave the rapper unnamed. But it was this rapper who came to Hillsong NYC. And he's not a church guy. And he was, he felt, he, he communicated basically this. The message was incredible and all of that. But the thing that he created, communicated, I thought was so dope was that you were relatable. He's like, yo, the pastor had on tattoos, had tattoos and a leather jacket. I'm like, I understood what he was saying. <laughs> but um, so here's my question, right? I mean, you're, you, you modeled that. So my question is, was that intentional? Was that organic? Because there are people that are listening to us no matter what line of work they're in. They feel like they're in a box. 
And you kind of broke out of that. And so I just kind of want to hear your thoughts on, was that intentional, organic? How did you do that? Man, I I think for me, I I got real lucky in that when I got saved, you know, the reason why I ran from Jesus for a long time is because I didn't think I could ever fit into church. Like I just couldn't stand that box. And so I ended up just kind of, you know, running the other way. When I got saved, I I got saved at a church in Virginia Beach and the pastor, Steve Kelly, you know, he he sent me to Hillsong, Australia. And that's where I went to Bible college. And that's where I went for one year, ended up staying for four. It's where I met Laura. It's where I and I, I walked into Hillsong Church and I was like, oh my gosh, like I, these people look like me. They sound like me. You know, I heard Brian Houston preach my pastor and, and it just made sense. And so I was kind of raised in that soil where I was able to shed the American church box, which is maybe worse than other like ironclad ideas. And I just came home from Australia with the mentality, you know, that I could just be who I am. And, and that was okay. And so I didn't know that there was a box to fit in. I didn't really think, I never really understood why it was such a big deal that people would say, you're relatable. Cause I'm thinking, I just, just waking up and trying to just do life like you. I don't, and then, you know, whether it's tattoos or the random surfacey stuff that, that to me was always like, I always felt bad that it was a win for us. So people would come in and say, I just wanted to thank you for being relatable. Thank you for making me feel at home. I would always take the compliment, but then go like, what trauma did you go through that we are some outstanding thing that you can relate to because we're just being ourselves. And and so for me, I, I, I was running before I knew that you weren't supposed to. And we were out in clubs, hanging out with people we love before I knew that was anti-pastoral. Um, we were loving all people before I was told you were supposed to love some. Um, we were engaging in issues of, of every matter before I found out that sometimes that's a bad thing to do as a pastor. So it was one of those things where I was already out there running before I knew any of this stuff wasn't normal. And so I think God spared me from a lot of that because now that I'm older, I've been doing it for a while. Now I realize, you know, why that stuff could be <laughs> box, box shaking a little bit. But I just I trace it back to my soil. I'm really blessed to have, you know, people that love me enough to tell me just be you. You know, this is OK. Like Jesus saved you as you are. He's not going to leave you like that. But I can't stand it when you meet somebody like, for instance, what I love about you is that the way you talk right now is exactly how you're going to preach. I, I could never understand why I would be hanging out with some pastors. We have a great combo. And then I see him up on stage. And I'd be like, who is this guy? What is that mm-hmm. voice you're using? Why are you using old English? Why, why are you like, uh, I, I, I've never understood that about church. And so for me, I just am blessed to be a part of a movement that showed me I could just be myself. Yeah. But I, one of the things I think Carl is that it, it is inspiring for other people who may not even be in your line of service who feel like they need to yeah, pivot yeah. a bit in yeah. terms of, all right, I need to align what I'm doing with who I really am. And mm. there is this pressure, I think, at times that we can put on ourselves because once you get into a line of work and you start interacting with people, you can see you're different to some degree. You know what I mean? And yeah. sometimes sometimes it's a double-edged sword where there are people that are impacted by that, but you've also dealt with a lot of backlash um, from your own community. And when I say community, I mean religious community in that sense. Um, how did you navigate through some of that? Because no matter how spiritual a person are, you're still human. So you got to feel yeah. some of that. So how did you navigate? How do you, what not did? Because <laughs> you all, yeah. how do you navigate through some of that? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think, you know, earlier it was harder. Um, but my prayer was always that God would give me thick skin and a soft heart, meaning, mm. I never wanted to be callous in my soul. I never wanted, I, I, I never wanted to be, you know, like that guy who just brushed off criticism. Like I was, you know, immune from it. I wanted to, I want to feel stuff and I want to hear, you know, love and hate so I can still know that I'm alive, but I never want my heart to get affected by it. So over the years, you know, I've never focused Darius on what people have said. I focused on who says it. So if you're a part of my who that matters, I listen and I receive and I digest and I consider, but if you're not a part of the who, I don't really care what you say. And I think sometimes in life we get those things mixed up. It's like, did you hear what they said? Did you, do you, do you know what they think? And I'm always like, who is the they, Hmm. you know, I, I I have to stay focused on the, the who in my life that I've trusted to make sure that I'm, you know, headed the right direction, doing the right things. And I, I think with criticism, sometimes it can really be a good marker for you. Like who, who is bothered by me? 
Mm-hmm. Who's bothered by what we do? And I look at that person. And I go, I'm okay with that because the reason it bothers you <laughs> is because you should be bothered. So if someone says, "I can't," I walked into your church and you looked irreverent. You had a hat on and ripped jeans. What kind of preacher would go into God's house and preach the word in ripped jeans? And I would look at that person and go, "Okay, cool." Yeah, because we think differently, and and I don't believe what you believe, and so this is a good marker for me that I'm doing the right thing. And then there's other times where like the who might push back on what I'm doing. And I have to really look at that because I trust those people. So yeah. for me, I've always just, uh, some of the stuff has hurt over the years. Other stuff has rolled off my back, but that's part of the job. You know, we're going to do stuff that people aren't going to understand. We've got to be able to cut new ground in areas that people have not gone. And I'm not naive enough to think that's going to be easy. And there's not going to be some uncomfortable moments with it. Yeah. You know, I think one of the things that can happen with spiritual leaders is that we can feel like and there is there there are unique dynamics you've got to deal with in whatever your line of work is. But sometimes I feel like things get worse. They're like exacerbated because we're like, woe is me not realizing that there are people who deal with some of those same challenges. You know, I kind of mentioned that the athlete, the the athlete who's told to shut up and dribble. And he's like, I'm not just, yeah. that, you know, um, or 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 a person who may be. Uh, you know, a CEO who's like, yo, I'm not wearing hard bottom shoes. <laughs> I'm not wearing Bostonians and Johnson and Murphy's every day. I'm wearing t-shirt and jeans and, and we're yeah. seeing the, the, the power of the, of the pivot there. Um, so if someone told you like, yeah, I feel like I'm behaving in a way that's not really consistent with who I am, but I want to win. I want to be effective and I'm wrestling with that. What would you say to kind of push them? over the edge i think a couple of things like one i would especially if you're not the ceo and you're not the owner and you're not the the guy who calls the the plays it's okay sometimes to to have to play the game good it's not a sellout move it just means that you're honoring of the situation you're in but you can still be you so sometimes mm-hmm. i don't like it when people are like i want to break out of the box i'm always like how about you dominate the box first before oh. you try to break it right yeah. so for me there is something to be said for not feeling like you're not yourself because you comply with some things that are honorable so it's like if you work in an office space, you got to dress a certain way, you know, hey, you got to find other ways to be your unique self. But I'm not a fan of like just breaking stuff to break it. You know, if it's not my call, like, for instance, I used to go into some churches and I would ask them, you know, is it OK if I wear a short sleeve shirt? I don't know what your stance is on mm-hmm. tattoos. And they would tell me and I would always err on the side of that's not my battle to fight. Yeah. So I'll wear a, I'll wear a long shirt. I'll do whatever because I'm there to serve. Right. Yeah. But if it's my call, if it's on my watch, I'm going to do what God's put in my heart. So I, I don't think you can lose with honoring the system that you're in. You know, I'm not talking about bad systems. I just mean any sort of culture. And then, you know, you, you earn the right to bring change. Yeah. I think that's great and so insightful. There is a difference between being authentic and being insensitive or being obstinate or arrogant. And, um, you know, one of the, as I, as I think about that, those are kind of like character words. And one of the things, like the first time we were able to spend some significant time together, I came back and I told a friend of mine, Rashad, I said, um, I always knew Carl was gifted in terms of his leadership and communication ability. I say, but now I got to spend some time with him. I see why. He has influence with influencers. And I say, and it's not because of the greatness of his gift It's because like the genuineness of his character, because this is this is kind of my thoughts. I'm thinking that some people get to a point in their field, their line of work where they're so good, they're not really impressed kind of with anybody being good in another area. Right. Because but um, but. They need people that they feel like they can trust. They need people that are genuine. They need people that are safe. And so I think when people think along the lines of advancement, development, moving up the ladder, being more effective and impactful, the the emphasis is like always on character. I got to get better, get better, get better instead of like being better. You know, because to me, that's way more attractive. Like, so I feel like so this is one of the things like that my wife went to mention about yours. I feel like it was so dope. And um, it was like, I, I can't remember the exact phrase, but I'm gonna use my words. It was like, basically, all the stuff don't matter to her. She just her. You know, what I mean? it's like it's she loves yeah. the church, but if it was a Hillsong NYC, she's going to be her, you know, hey. she's around, she's herself. And to me, that is attractive, right? Like the greatness mm. of character will attract people with great gifts. And 
So just kind of what are cause you're you're in this, you're in that and you're running in that lane. What are your thoughts on on some of that? What are you seeing and man, it's really thank you for your kind words. I I think that there's I mean, there's such a huge lane in this life to be comfortable in your calling and comfortable in who you are. And I think for us, we we just want to be a part of something that, um, you know, if we didn't pastor it, we'd still go to it. Um, we want to we want to be a part of something that that makes sense. And so for me, you know, becoming something we, we always have a list of like things like to be and most most people have a to do list like, mm-hmm. you know, to be more authentic. I'm going to do these five things. And I always say change your to do list and, and write a new to be list. I'm going to be kind, not do kind things. I'm going to be genuine, not try to do genuine things. I'm going to be uh, empathetic, not try to live with empathy because who I'm being is way more important than what I'm doing because that's what it's producing. So you can change what you do, but if you don't change who you are, eventually you come back to that. So I, I have always You're dropping bars, man. Well, I know I've always asked God to help me not forget, you know, to keep becoming better. Like I, I don't, I don't want to do surface change. I don't want to make shallow little movements. And we live in a field Darius where people will copy a method and not get the message. Yeah. And, and I think the essence of our faith is to, you know, like copy somebody's principle, but maybe figure out your own practice of it. So to me, that's how I'm trying to build my own character is if I'm not happy with what I'm doing, I got to change who I'm being. You know, I got to I got to start. I got to start way earlier than that. The action, what people see, it's like that's a product of what I'm doing in private. Yeah. So if I don't like what I'm producing out here, um, I got to go. I got to look in first. Yeah. And, you know, as you're talking, I'm thinking about formation and the things that form us and shape us and make us who we are. And, you know, obviously religion plays a role in that. And so this is one thing I feel like we kind of have in common, too, is that and it may be in different ways in different areas. But we both kind of have this holy frustration with bad religion, you know, <laughs> So, like I don't think we just need to break out of bad boxes. I think we need to break free of bad religion. Like it is such oh. a <laughs> such a um an emotional like it's not even just spiritual, it's such an emotional topic for me. Cause this is what I believe, and I want to hear your thoughts on this and just I believe that bad religion is just as damaging or more damaging than no religion. And the reason is when it's bad religion, you treat something dysfunctional like it's sacred. So you Ooh. hold on to the dysfunctional with a degree of sacredness. It makes it harder for you to pivot. It makes it harder for you to detox. You do it with passion and zeal and zest. And sometimes in the name of trying to develop people, it's just destructive. It's destructive to people. It's destructive to the brand of Christianity. It makes it harder for Christians to reach people because they got to overcome the bad brand that's been created by other people. Just here, you see, I'm random. I'm, 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 I'm rambling already. I'm, I'm too emotional. That, that ain't a ramble. That ain't a ramble. That is, that's just, that's just preaching. Yeah, yeah. Just man, your your thoughts on that? Um, so many. Golly, I, I think I, I often said that you know I don't have any problem with tradition as long as tradition doesn't become doctrine. Mm-hmm. And and to me, we have we have fallen in love with tradition as doctrine. And, and then, and then it becomes a problem. So for instance, like going back to the image thing, like I always used to tell some of my friends, they'd be like, you know, what do I got to wear to church? And I'd be like, you better have a three piece suit on. And they're like, okay. You know, and they'll come to church and they'll get in the front row and they'll be like, he got me you know, I'll be up there you know it's shorts and like what do you think this is like you know well I can't my mom my mama said my grandma said that I can't come into the house of God without I said look no disrespect to your grandma or your mother but we're worshiping a God who was murdered without cause naked on a cross you think you think this God is really looking out at this church service gauging people's spirituality on their their clothes you know and I think that that kind of tradition has hurt people, but I had to flip it quickly or I would have gotten too frustrated as a pastor. I stopped getting frustrated by it on that level and started being thankful for it because as bad as you've been, it just makes what's better that much brighter. Mm. So if you've had mm. 10 bad church experiences, mm. can I, can I please plead with you to give, give it one more shot? Because if you hated that, I hate that too. If you were hurt, I was hurt by that too. But hey, it's, it's almost like if someone got food poisoning, you, you can't stop eating. You can't disavow food. 
you're going to have to go to restaurant number 11. I can't promise it's going to be the best. I can't promise it's going to be everything you want, but I promise it won't kill you. Right. Mm -hmm. If I was a restauranteur, that's how I'd have to live. That's how I've treated being a pastor. And I understand tradition in America. Give me an agnostic universalist at 27 who's never heard the gospel over someone who was born and raised at church camp, this and that went to all these different kinds of things. And they're just like church tired. You can meet people who are church tired. You know, they're not, Jesus doesn't make you tired. The Holy spirit is the lifter of your head. He empowers your whole life. So when people are fatigued, I always try to get them to, Hey, separate that from who Jesus is though. Like I'm over my relationship with God. No, you're not. You're probably over old school American religion, which Mm -hmm. has sucked the life out of you. But Jesus, this well of life, Mm -hmm. we can't, we can't tie these two things together all the time. And I think my goal is to make sure our church never gets in the way of the purity of who Jesus is. Our church is not the beginning. Our church is not the destination. It has to be a bridge into this relationship with the living God because our church will fail you. It won't be good enough. Mm-hmm. There will be offense. This isn't a place filled with perfect people, but the goal is not to get people in love with Hillsong Church. The goal is to get people to meet Jesus. Yeah. And so old religion is a nemesis and it always will be, but we're going to keep on beating that thing down because a new day is here. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm with you a hundred percent. I re- I mean, I, I just, I share your convictions in that area. I share your passion. I think though you, you gave me and a lot of others a different way to look at it. And, um, because one of the things that's been really, really complex for me, and I'm glad I'm having this conversation with, uh, with you one, because it's you. And then one, because you're not African-American because I'd like some perspective on this. Right. So one of the things that I've don't get me in trouble, I'm not, you know how reckless I am (laughs) and I'm frustrated today. So let's talk about something easy. Yeah. That's why I'm trying to talk. (laughs) Go, go, go right where you were going to go. Lord help me around it. But, um, here, here's kind of what I'm finding perplexing. It's really interesting. And that Hmm. is, I feel like, like one of the virtues of Jesus and like one of the character traits that should be dominant in the faith of a Christian is humility. And um, so you can have conviction, you can stand firm and love well. I get all of that, but it should be humility. And to me, what's really interesting is this, and this is, a bit, this is just the way I feel. I'm wondering how like a certain sect of American Christianity that got to me the very basics of the faith wrong scripturally when it comes to like the great commandment, just like loving people. Well, right. That's just, this is Christian basics. Love God, love people. So it's really, really interesting, interesting to me how it seems to me that a certain fringe and a certain sect seem to be incredibly, incredibly naive. I think to some degree, when it comes to the reality that, hey, this, what happened back then, let's say you're not a part of, let's say Christians in slavery, Christians in Jim Crow, Christian and whatever. What's really interesting to me is how can you get that wrong, which seems to be the basics, yet still not assume a posture of a student contemporarily so that you can actually learn the things you need to learn. So that doesn't happen in a different way. Now, of course, we don't expect slavery to happen again or Jim Crow to happen again. But that mindset in terms of that form of American Christianity can mute mm. into a different expression. And it just it makes you apathetic. It makes you condescending. It makes you paternalistic. Like it's like someone who's not put a foot into rectifying race issues their entire life. And then all of a sudden becomes an expert on what (laughs) people should do to rectify race issues. That part to me is just, um, so I try, I'm perplexed. I don't want to judge it, but it's really confusing to me. It's like, bro, y'all got like this getting slavery and Jim Crow wrong is like bad. And you went to, you were part of denominations that got it wrong, or you went to seminaries that got it wrong. And, Yet at the same time, you want to assume the posture of a student and listen and learn. I'm, I'm trying to wrap my head around that, and maybe you can help me. Wow, it, it, it's uh, uh, even the way you premise a question is 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 awesome to me. So I think, uh, you know, what you t- what you're touching on. If I take it back to culture, it depends on what culture you've allowed yourself to be in. And I've often said, like, culture is. 
Uh, vision is who you think you are. Culture is who you really are. Mm-hmm. And, and the American church culture is is backwards, mm-hmm. and especially if, if it's predominantly a white one. Um, and I think to me, the posture of life should be humility uh, above all else. It should be humility. It should be understanding. It, and, and we seek that with passion. But let, let's take Jacob Blake. You know, for example, right? So depending on what culture you allow yourself to be in, how did you see what you saw on TV? Are you a part of the culture that goes, here we go again. Let's wait for the rest of the video to come out. Let's find out who that man was before we jump to conclusions. Is that the culture you are? Are you in the culture of another man died on a screen, videoed, a a man is dead in the same scenario. Lord, help us. How can I be a part of change? It's either one or the other. And you have to willfully make sure every time you're faced with a situation, like what what's coming out of you? And, and there are some people in our country to encourage you in the middle of your frustration. I've seen a huge shift. There have been a lot of people who I have used to be a part of a culture where you, you look for what's wrong and you look to point blame and mm-hmm. you stand on your principle first. There's a new culture where we want to we want to be led by the holy spirit and that means let me hold my view for a second let me push back what i think and let me hear let me feel let me listen Good. let me allow you to talk i i know for a fact that sometimes in these circles people start with their views right Let, let's mm-hmm. let's go from our view and then start to pick apart issues i just don't think that works I think from an issue, you know, we bring out who we are because people are different. Situations are different. And I think the posture of humility of Christianity has been challenged. And I think that we're going to respond differently in the future. That's my hope. And that's why you see so much division, because if I start on my disagreement, we'll never get to our agreement. Mm -hmm. You know, if I start from way back here, if we talk about racism with somebody and you want to start with what you believe is factually true and what you've seen in your life, like I'd rather start a conversation with where are you at? Sure. What have you heard? Yeah. What do you know? It doesn't mean I don't believe what I believe, but let me just, I'm fallible. I'm human. I could be wrong. Yeah. I don't think I am, but please feel free. Let's talk. And I, I fight for that. And I encourage people to challenge themselves to make sure they're living like that. Cause that's how we're going to continue to bring change. And yeah. I'm proud to say that I, I've seen a lot of people make that shift. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm really, I have a, um, I, I feel like I, I'm in a place emotionally where it's kind of, the best of birth worlds. There is a, a frustration, specifically my frustration is not necessarily culture, but there is this frustration sometimes with um, Christianity as it relates to, you know, this. And, but then there's this optimism because I see pivots and open-mindedness and solidarity mm-hmm. in, in ways that I haven't seen before in my lifetime. So I'm really trying to, to, to lean into that. And I think what you said is so helpful and I'm going to let you go here, but I, f- I feel like what you said was so helpful in terms of just breaking free out of bad religion, period, it's you got to make a distinction between what's culture and what's Christian, because a lot of what we call Christian is actually culture. And this this is the thing, too. Right. I mean, we use the term Christian culture and I know what we mean by that. That's morals. That's values. That's vantage point. But Christianity doesn't have a culture, really. It's not indigenous to any people. Right. It's not. Jesus wasn't American. Jesus wasn't European. <laughs> like it's God takes um, all people and he makes a people out of it. And I think and we carry culture into other cultures. Yes. That's the whole point. Like yeah. you, you should be able to fit into any culture because we're kingdom carriers. We come from a different land. We come with a different creed so that technically we should be able to invade every culture and there should be a distinct light about us that's different. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. So my, my hope is whether it's, you know, unhealthy fundamentalism, some people are going to argue is any form of fundamentalism healthy or legalism or whatever it is. I just I love your advocation for you like yo humility. Let's ask ourselves questions. Let's hold, you know, let's hold our views firm, but even hold them with an open hand. Because we can't can, have yeah, it can, I, can I ask you something, sure. doctor? Uh, I just, I think, uh, I don't mean to cut you off, it's just such an honor to be talking about this because I know people need to hear it. And I think that we have a fear of, of tension. Like, if you are secure in your belief, you can allow it to be examined. 
sometimes we fear talking about things we're insecure about. That's why if you talk to some churches about racism, they want to shut the door real quick because they're not secure in where they mm-hmm. stand. And, and if we can take issues like that and say, all right, let's talk about, you know, everything you think is a tradition. Let's bring it out. Let, let's really see if that's really who Jesus is. And some people take that as a weakness. I see it as a strength, you know, go back to it and see if it's really like, for instance, you and I, we would go out to a restaurant, you know, and meet with somebody who's not a Christian. They might have some alcohol or whatever. And somebody yes. might say, oh my gosh, that's, that's the worst thing ever. It's okay. Okay. I hear you. Well, where'd you get that from? Let's talk about it. Yeah. Like I'm secure in my view. I'm going to bring it out. I could be wrong, but I think I'm right. Let's, yeah. let's examine it. If you do things like that with your faith, it becomes so exciting and real because you start finding out, wow, you know, I don't have to be led by the lemmings. I don't have to be led by old school American church culture. Like there's so much life in Jesus. There's so much hope in this faith. There's so much exciting. Like so many people think they die when they become Christians. And I don't know. Remember when we were growing growing up, kind of our era, when people got saved, it was like a funeral like thing. Like, oh, well, <laughs> the best, right. of my, best of my life is over. Yes. No more sex. No more partying. <laughs> No more fun. I'm a Christian now. And yeah. you go like that, that, that surely can't be the will of God. And, and maybe even someone's listening now and that's what they've thought. Maybe they've been on the doorstep of like, I want to give my life to Jesus, but does that mean I have to disappear from life? And I would just implore people to hear us when we say, are you kidding me? Jesus said, I've come that you not only have life, but you'll have a better life. So whatever yes. the temptation is to hold you to that other life, Take your chances with this. Let's just see if the living God might have something better. Don't let what you've seen get in the way. Don't let what somebody else has told you is Christian. Be You find out. This hasn't been a death. This has been a new life for me. You know, I'm about to be 42. And I did live years on the other side of this walk. And I can honestly say, you know, I'm just grateful that God saved my life because uh, I didn't let church get in the way. I didn't let organized religion, you know, keep me out of the best thing in life. And I think... That's why I'm grateful for you and all the territory you're taking because you break every box just by opening your mouth. And then, although it's sad that the bar is so low, <laughs> I, I love being able to, you know, point people to you and, and say, hey, you know what? Are you tired of the, those, those those preachers? Let me just let me let me show you my guy, Darius. You know, people will be like that. That made too much sense. There's no way that could even be right. There's no way I should be able to hear a sermon and feel better about myself and convicted because my pastor said, unless you leave church feeling worse, you know, you didn't hear the heavy word. Like my man, that ain't gospel. That, that yeah, ain't Jesus. That's not good news. So I'm just, uh, I'm grateful yeah. for you. And I just, I can't wait to see what God continues to do. It's just, it's, it's a, it's a good day to be following Jesus. I believe that. Yeah. And man, thank you so much for that. You know, one of the things that I believe is, Love doesn't settle. It doesn't. I mean, if you love a marriage, you're going to fight to improve it. If you love a friendship, you're going to fight to improve it. And, you know, we love the faith and we love the world. And so even these constructive criticisms is not cynicism. It's we we love the faith so much. You know, I want to do my part personally to represent it well and to help others do the same thing, because this has been my religion has been the best thing that's that's ever happened to me. Um, 100%. My life is just better. Like beyond moral, like I'm not even, it's just, it's just better. And it works right when, when you work it right. And thank you for modeling that, man. Thank you for taking some time out and helping people get out of boxes. Doctors, Ooh. lawyers, it doesn't matter what. Get out of boxes and helping us break free from bad religion. I love you, brother. I love you so much. Thank you for having me. It's an honor. Today's show is brought to you by United Healthshare Ministries. These days, finding affordable, quality health care is more difficult than ever. So if you're looking to save up to 50% on your health care expenses, listen up. You don't have to wait around hoping health care will improve in the U.S. Instead, join millions of Christians who are choosing HealthShare memberships like UHSM. UHSM is a nonprofit Christian health share with a sole purpose of helping you achieve your best health. To protect your health with modern health sharing from UHSM, including program benefits from CVS Caremark, no-cost telehealth visits, and access to one million doctors and providers. Satisfy your medical needs and save up to 50% with UHSM. 
UHSM is member-to-member health sharing, and it's awesome. See why millions are choosing this Christian alternative to traditional insurance and ask if you qualify for UHSM membership today. So you can call or text 833-367-8476. That's 833-367-8476 or 833-367-UHSM. Or you can visit UHSM.com slash care. That's UHSM.com slash care. I'm so grateful to call Lentz for his time in that incredible interview. He's one of my favorite people in the world. Chester, you're really a Carl Lentz fan. Huh? Yes, I I enjoy Carl. Um, he said that he chose um, John B. Carl, we, we might have to talk about that one. Uh, <laughs> um, we're talk he, about gave that one. he gave he his rationale, though. He gave his rationale. But anyway, um, it is time for one of my favorite sections of the show. It is the Ask Dr. Darius section of the Darius Daniels podcast. We got some great questions that have come in and we decided to take a different approach with them. My co-hosts have went through some of the questions, filtered through some of this is my first hearing of them. I'm asking them right off the dome. We got some great questions that have come in today. Y'all excited about this? I am. I'm excited. You ready for this first question? I don't know, but Jump okay. off, jump off. <laughs> jump off. <laughs> All right, okay, so this first question comes from Miss J. Um, she wants to know, what are your thoughts on interfaith relationships? Can they work? Is it a sin? How does God feel about them? Wow, Miss J. That sounds like she's single, huh? <laughs> and ready to mingle. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't mean that that's a bad thing. What do you mean? I don't I don't mean anything about it. All right. So here are my thoughts, Miss J. Thank you for sending that question in. I'm about to get myself canceled. Don't yeah, cancel him, y'all. Don't cancel No, him. I don't mean anything by that. I'm sorry, Miss J. I meant nothing by that. Here it is. These are my thoughts. So one, I think we've seen it would be disingenuous for me to say interfaith relationships can't work. Like we have seen people who are not religious at all have long-term marriages um long-term marriage though should not be equated with a healthy and a fulfilling one but we have seen people who are not religious at all or who have different religions have long-term marriages and relationships so but for me as a follower of jesus as a person who kind of has a christian who has a christian worldview to the best of my ability my answer to that would be For a follower of Jesus, the Bible warns us against that. Mm. So Mm. Paul in the book of Corinth talks about this idea of being unequally yoked. Now, he's not talking specifically about dating, but the principle applies to dating, I think. And that is kind of my stance or at least my perspective when it comes to interfaith dating. Uh, This is what I think. I think that it is possible for this to happen, for two people of different faiths to be in a relationship together. I feel like, like I said earlier, we have examples of people who've done it long term. The question is, is it obedient? Mm. Yeah. I think <laughs> that's kind of what it comes down to. Um, and are we making decisions? If a person is a follower of Jesus, are you making decisions based on what works or based on what you feel like is right? And do you believe what's right will work for you? Mm. So I believe if a a person's really living out like an authentic biblical Christian faith, interfaith relationships become really hard. Now, if you're doing like nominal Christianity, like uh, we kind of go to church sometimes and we just agree to treat people right, then sure it could work. But if you're about loving your enemy, being generous with your income, living life for more than yourself, then it's going to create a lot of tension. And Paul, I think, warns against that in the book of um, 1 Corinthians. And uh, so that's kind of my view and, and, and my take on it. And, and this, is, this is what I believe. I don't believe you got to, I don't believe you have to settle. Watch this. You don't have to settle the metal. Oh. Hey. Ooh. Okay. <laughs> Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. So hey. those are my thoughts. Those are my thoughts, Miss J. I got one. All right. Got one from KP. 
This one may be a little deep. KP asked the question, why did God choose you? Okay. I don't know what KP means by that. Yeah. <laughs> no one knows. <laughs> but it's provocative. It gets the people going. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. So, KP, I don't know. Uh, um, so if you're if you're referring to why God chose me personally, one, I think God chooses all of us. But if you're asking why God chose me, I don't know. But this is what I do believe. I believe this is this is going to sound so like churchy, but <laughs> this is what I believe. I believe that it's not that a thing exists and God picks a person to do a thing. Mm. I think a person's born for that thing. Yeah. Wow. It's just two different things. So it's mm. not that I'm, I exist and then I'm chosen. The fact that I do exist means that I'm chosen. That's good. Like, I don't believe there's any, there's no such thing as like a worthless life that when you're born, no matter what the circumstances of your birth are, that God is sovereign and he's involved in that. Uh, I think Jeremiah confirms this when he says, God says through Jeremiah before to Jeremiah, when I formed before I formed you in mother's womb, I knew you and I ordained you. So I think the fact that you were born means you are chosen. Mm-hmm. And we are all born for and chosen to and through different things. Now, here's the dope part for me is that when I say I don't know why God chose us, because I don't think there are necessarily reasons. This is what makes being chosen a grace gift. Mm-hmm. It's because there are no reasons. The reason is God's good. So this is why our response to being chosen should always be appreciation and not arrogance. Mm. Because no matter what you're doing, no matter what scale you're doing it on, you wouldn't be doing it and couldn't be doing it if it wasn't for God's grace and God's goodness. Mm-hmm. So those are kind of those are kind of my, <laughs> my thoughts. That's my two cents. Well, KP, I hope that answered your question, brother. Oh, that was good. Listen, I have one more for you. You ready for this one? I don't know. You you supposed to say, um, I stay ready so I don't have to get ready. So that's how you that's how you say that. But that's anyway. like that's like Dakar, isn't that like early two thousands though? Yeah, I was thinking nineteen seventy six. Stay ready. So ready, I don't get okay. Okay. All right. So Mark has a question. Uh his question is, what are your views on outgrowing a mentor? For wow. instance, a teacher who teaches you not to be passive aggressive in a passive aggressive manner. I would probably now who who's this question from again? Mark. Okay, Mark, I would probably I would use different language than you use, but I do agree with the con I, I do understand the concept I think you're trying to communicate. And so I'm not quite sure I would use the language outgrow a mentor because I believe mentors are seasonal. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um I believe that a person's greatness doesn't determine whether or not they can be your mentor. I think your goals do. And so even if that person is always great, that doesn't mean that their greatness always aligns with your goals. And you just hit a different season where you've got different goals and that person necessarily can't help you with them. Yeah. But they were used and are used to get you to a place that you couldn't have got to without those goals so we did a um it's coming up in the future it's a great great podcast i did with someone named joel mary and one of the things that he said and you'll get to hear it soon right here on the Dear daniels podcast one of the things that he said is um that one of the things that mentors give you is they give you more than wisdom they give you speed mm. wow yeah so you get there faster mm-hmm. and so i think it's okay to say this person got me to this place that I couldn't have gotten to on my own. Mm -hmm. But this was the contribution they were supposed to make to my life. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And now that they've made that contribution, the best thing I can do in terms of honoring them and respecting them is make sure I not waste it. Yep. Yeah. By staying in a mentoring relationship that served its season. Like the best way I can honor is to go out and do, I'm not going to say bigger and better, but go out and do greater things. Yeah. So, I, I think one of the things that happens is, though, people assume that something is wrong with the mentor when the season's up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
right? Did you that like teaching me not to be passive aggressive in a yeah, passive aggressive yeah, manner? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like, well, no, that person may be dealing with some passive aggressiveness. It just means that when it comes to addressing like those kind of areas in your life, they are not the person mm-hmm. that's going to that's going to do that. And mm-hmm. it doesn't mean that something's wrong with them that they're inadequate. It just means that they were supposed to serve you for a certain season. Yeah. So, Mark, I hope that helped. You know, some great questions, y'all. It helped y'all. me. So it helped Mark. <laughs> it only made me. me run around this table with that yeah. last part. Well, listen, we want to hear from you. We want this to be an interactive podcast. And so your questions add so much value. So don't forget to send them to us. DM me on Twitter. No, DM me on Instagram. Uh, mention me on Twitter. Uh, some of you send them through Facebook. Some of you put them in the comments. Hey, you send them, we'll find them. Um, but we want to make sure that we're answering your questions and adding value to your life. As always, so excited about this podcast. So grateful for your support. And I want to encourage you to like, to download, and to share. We've got some exciting things coming up in the future. You don't want to miss it. So we'll see you next time on the Dears Dames Podcast. Take care. to the Darius Daniels Podcast, part of the Relevant Podcast Network. For more great content from Dr. Darius, including his books, sermons, and more, check out DariusDaniels.com. Also, be sure to follow him on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And for more podcasts at the intersection of faith and culture, check out the Relevant Podcast Network, featuring shows like The Relevant Podcast, Unedited, and more launching throughout the year. Find out more by clicking podcasts at relevantmagazine.com. Relevant Podcast Network.